everyone, and welcome to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, filling in for Chaz this week, who's feeling a bit under the weather, so feel better, Chaz. However, I am joined today by Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Ah, not much. We got some interesting stuff to talk about today. We have unstable spoilers kicking off, so we're going to start off with that. Then we're going to talk a little bit about a big three-standard GP weekend, and then wrap it up with tons of fish mail. So, Richard, I guess we might as well jump right into it. So, unstable spoilers started today. We actually got quite a few cards. Initial impressions of our third unset. What do you think? Uh, So, let's start with... The two mechanics we know of, uh, we'll talk about some spoilers, and then we can talk about our overall thoughts, but contraptions are here. Finally, the long-awaited contraptions. They were referenced uh, in a Future Sight card, Steam Flogger Boss. No one knew what they did or what they were or anything. Ten years later or whatever, here we are. We have contraptions. They're complicated, so I'm going to try to TLDR this, but the... (laughs) The rules are on the mothership, but basically they're a special kind of card. Uh, they're artifacts. Uh, they have a new card back, and you put them in a separate deck. So you need to have a separate deck uh, with a minimum of 15 contraptions, uh, minimum waived if you're playing draft. But basically, the back of the card, you have three sprockets, Okay. When you assemble a contraption, and there will be cards that let you assemble a contraption, you place it under a sprocket. And during your upkeep, uh, you have a crank counter, which you start off on sprocket number three. And during your upkeep, you move it forward one. So if it's on three, it goes to one. If it's on one, it goes to two. If it goes to two, it goes to three, etc. And then when, when you do that, any contraptions under that sprocket trigger, so they they you know they have abilities. Uh, so what you can do is either assemble all your contraptions, say under one sprocket, and then every third turn all your contraptions go off and you get some crazy effects, or you can spread them out so that every turn you get some contraptions firing. So those are contraptions. It's a little confusing, but it'll become more obvious once we. Uh, read some of the cards, uh, but basically, assemble is the same as, as casting, and then uh, you basically get to trigger them every third turn uh, with your sprockets and clanks. So the other mechanic we have are uh, are the watermarks. So these, I guess, are similar to kind of the guilds uh, that we've seen on Ravnica. Cards will have a watermark on them. They each signify different things, but now you have rules text that actually references these watermarks. And they gave us all five. We have Order of the Widget, Agents of Sneaks, League of Dastardly Doom, Goblin Explosioneers, and Crossbreed Labs. Uh, contraptions also have a, a watermark thing uh, where the power and toughness is. Uh, we haven't really seen how that will play out, but Ravnica guilds basically... <laughs> And things that interact with these watermarks are here. Oh, so those are the new mechanics. Uh, complicated. Silver-boarded set. So reminder, these are not tournament legal. Uh, you can play them, I guess, at the kitchen table or, or casual events. Uh, the lands 
are no bordered, so the lands are legal, so you can use the the brand new John Avon lands in your standard deck, but all the other silver bordered cards, uh, you can't play at FNM or at a PTQ or anything, it's just at your kitchen table. Okay, so I think that both of these mechanics are pretty interesting. Contraptions in specific is a really neat idea. I'm a little nervous that it doesn't really tie into other magic cards in any significant way like we mentioned you mentioned steam fogger boss like obviously that's kind of a tie-in and steam fogger boss is reprinted in the set but it's kind of parasitic in a sense the watermark mechanic though is actually kind of exciting to me for casual play there's some pretty interesting and powerful potentially powerful cards lords and uh, soul lands and stuff and there's actually quite a few watermarks you have uh phyrexian watermarks was one of them all of the dragon lords from dragons of Tarkir have their own kind of hordes with watermarks on them ravnica guilds as you mentioned the kanza Tarkir guilds so there's a lot of watermarked factions in the real world of magic so i think that's kind of a neat tie-in like I still don't know exactly who does this or what playgroups will allow these cards to see play, but I could definitely imagine people building watermark tribal decks using, like, Demir from Original Ravnica, Demir from Ra- uh, Return to Ravnica, along with some of the new Watermark Matters cards. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what the official rules are, but I believe the Magic Story cards are watermarked. Uh, F&M promos, the old ones with the F&M stamp thing, like, is that a watermark? I, I think those would... <sighs> would fit in here so interesting to know if you're thinking about this stuff i learned today while researching this there's actually a search on gatherer for marks so you can search by watermark on gatherer if you want to build around them and it doesn't have promos listed so i don't know if that means they're legal or not legal but it does have a bunch of different watermark options if you want to try to build watermark tribal. Well, good news is this is casual and not sanctioned, so I'm going to declare <laughs> FNM promo watermark a real watermark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the cards. So, Steam Flogger Boss, in case you all forgot, right? Future Sight. This this is the thing that kicked off contraption, so we might as well read it. Three in a red, three three, goblin rigor. Other riggers you control get plus one plus zero and have haste. If a rigor you control would assemble a contraption, it assembles two contraptions instead. So you get to <laughs> assemble double the contraption uh, contraptions. Uh, let's let's read a card that actually assembles it. Uh, Steam flogger of the month. Three red red, three three, goblin rigor. When Steam flogger of the month enters a battlefield, it assembles a contraption for each contraption you control. Seems powerful. I mean, if you can get a few contraptions going, you can double them up. It's like the the doubling season of contraptions. Uh, do we have a card that just straight up assembles? There is, there is, uh, there is one. Finders uh, Keepers. Yeah, there you go. Five in a black sorcery. Destroy target creature, then assemble a contraption. So you pay six. Seems like a lot. You kill something, and then you take the top card of your contraption deck, put it under a sprocket. Right, and then during your upkeep, if your clank counter is on that sprocket, it triggers. So let's actually look at some contraptions. Dog Snail Engine. Uh, There's no converted mana cost because you don't cast it, right? Uh, It's an artifact contraption. When you crank Dog Snail Engine, target player gains life equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. Okay. Eh. Is that that worth (laughs) going through all that trouble to... And then cranking this every third turn? I I, I don't know. 
probably not. I, I think, huh. I think that the contraption deck is going to be about getting a ton of contraptions on the battlefield. I think that's going to be the idea. It's not so much that any individual contraption is going to be that powerful, but if you can get this whole machine of contraptions with like 8 or 10 or 12 on the battlefield, then all this little free value is actually going to add up to doing something really sweet. Right. I think that's the idea. That was an uncommon, so let, let, let's try let's try taking it up a notch to rare we have BB gun, B as in the animal B, so BB gun, and you have what looks to be an anteater shooting a gun with bees flying around. Whenever you crank BB gun, until end of turn, target creature gains, pay to this creature fights another target creature. That could be good if you have, like, I don't know, something massive on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And I could see that working. We have hard hat arena. Whenever you crank hard hat, or sorry, hard hat area, whenever you crank hard hat area, roll two six-sided dice. Hard hat area assembles a number of contraptions equal to the difference between those results. <laughs> Too so mathy. if you roll like a six and a one, you get five contraptions. <laughs> that actually seems pretty powerful because then you could just dump all those new contraptions on the next sprocket that's about to fire and get all those abilities the next turn. If I'm Because I think we should make it clear, crank means when you move that counter to the next sprocket, right? That's kind of like the shortcut word for, is crank for that process? No, no, no. So crank is when the contraption triggers. You move the counter to a sprocket and then you crank everything under it. So it's basically like trigger. Okay, okay. So, so, so seems- when this thing triggers, you get to roll dice and get- assemble a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> that seems that seems really strong if you're playing a whole bunch of contraptions, if that's the point of your deck. That seems like the most powerful one to me. Yeah, you want to talk about RNG. So either it does absolutely nothing, or it can dump <laughs> five contraptions <laughs> on the next uh, your next sprocket trigger thing. So it can swing games pretty wildly, I believe. There is definitely a lot of variance with contraptions because the deck has to be singleton, they said, the 15-card contraption deck or 15-plus card contraption deck. So they're all singleton, and it is a normal deck. So it's like face down, you get a random one off the top. It's not like you get to choose which one. You're not tutoring for the perfect contraption. So it seems like it's going to lead to some really swingy, crazy casual games. Just the mechanic in general and Hard Hat Arena. Okay. Uh, moving on, we have Stamp of Approval. So this is a watermark card. Uh, it, it, it itself doesn't have a watermark, uh, <laughs> but it deals with watermarks. So it's three converted mana costs, uh, three, uh, three generic mana, because it's an artifact. Uh, as it enters the battlefield, choose a watermark. Creatures you control with the chosen watermark get plus one, plus one. Mm, so Demir Tribal. Uh, I forgot what the cons of Tarkir. <laughs> what are the cons <laughs> of Tarkir tribes called? Like... Teamer and uh, are they wedges? Wedges. Are, yeah. are they after the the dragon lords? I, I don't remember. No, dragon lords have their own. There's actually like an Ojitai, Coligan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, watermark, and then there's like Teamer watermarks. Oh, okay. so there's a whole bunch of watermarks actually in that block. And then of course you can choose the new unstable watermarks as well. And maybe, like, a promo tribal would be awesome. Like, I think that's one of the sweetest <laughs> ideas if your playgroup allows it. So I think that sounds it's really It's the most sweet. expensive deck that does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about some other cards. Uh, or oh, actually, this card's pretty cool. Let's talk about this first. Water Market. Uh, it's a land. You tap it, add two colorless mana, spend this mana only to cast cards with water marks. Is this balanced or no? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it's so hard to judge power level of these cards because they're not tournament legal. So it's so the context is just so hard. I would say no, like lands that tap for two mana are usually broken, but as far as building a fair one, this might be about as close as it gets, since watermarks are pretty narrow. Yeah, and usually watermarks are multicolored. Usually they're like yeah. some tribe or faction or something, and they require lots of colored symbols, so maybe this is okay. This is also not legendary. So this could be Eldrazi Temple where you draw four in a row, cast your eight drop watermark and win. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, Hangman, Black, 1-1, one, one, Human Villain. Have we had the villain creature type ever? I don't know, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> As Hangman enters a battlefield, secretly note a word with six to eight letters. Pay one, target player who doesn't control Hangman guesses the noted word or an unguessed letter in that word. If he or she guesses wrong, put a plus one plus one counter on Hangman. Any player may activate this ability. When a player guesses the noted word or all of its letters, sacrifice Hangman. <laughs> it's a really sweet design. Like, I really, I like the design of this card. It seems really fun. It's a, like top down the game Hangman. As far as being powerful, ah, it seems... Like, if you pick a really uncommon, hard-to-guess word, this could grow pretty big. It could be just, like, a 10-10 for one. Yeah, or, uh, so politic shenanigans, you can just have someone pump your <laughs> pump your hangman up, <laughs> like, purposely guess wrong. Uh, I was actually reading the Reddit thread on this. Rules lawyers have, like, come in. This doesn't actually force <laughs> you to play hangman, because you don't have to tell the person uh, where the correct letters are. Right. Ooh. All you say is like, yes, there's an A in here, and then that's it. So you don't actually have to play Hangman with this card. So some people are calling for Errata to to, <laughs> to make you play Hangman. Uh, but it is a pretty sweet card. I think this is one of my favorite cards of the cards revealed. Playing a sub sub game of Hangman uh, <laughs> reminds me of what's that card like Sherazad or whatever that's banned because you play a game of magic within magic. <laughs> Yeah, you just sure. drag this game of Hangman on forever and never let this end. I didn't think about teaming up with someone to intentionally misguess to <laughs> to kill someone else with your huge Hangman. That actually sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like I guess you could. I, I guess you could. Oh no, I was like you could team up by giving them the actual words so they can kill it at any time. But you still have to do the trigger. You have to pay the one. So the person who knows the word can't actually kill it at will. But but anyone can activate the ability, right? Isn't that what it says? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that works out then. So you, you can tell your friend the actual word, <laughs> and then they have a safety valve for if you ever try to attack them, and then you just pump it up all the way to uh, 2020 <laughs> or 4040 or whatever and just kill everyone, and then your buddy you know, kills it afterwards. 
now I Dude, I broke really... it. I broke unstable constructed. <laughs> I really wish we could play this card now because I want to want to play it for Commander Clash and tell Tomer what he thinks is the word, but is actually a different word. <laughs> I said the and safe word. Him. I said the safe word. It's wrong. Gotcha. <laughs> it must be a voto fail. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think my favorite card that we saw today is uh, the Squirrel, Earl of Squirrel. <laughs> Earl of Squirrel, four green green, Squirrel Advisor, it's a four four, Squirrel Link. Damage dealt by this creature also causes you to create that many one one green squirrel uh, creature tokens. Creature tokens you control are squirrels in addition to their other creature types. Other squirrels you control get plus one plus one. This is like the ultimate casual card. I feel like whoever designed this had like a a list of the five most popular things to casual players. Squirrels, lords, tokens, lifelink, and just like mash them all together in one card. So I think it seems really sweet. Just this combination of things. It can be a token lord, which is cool. It can be a squirrel lord, which is cool. Squirrel link is a really unique ability. So I think they really nailed this card i think it obviously couldn't work in constructed i feel like squirrel link is potentially really powerful and probably not something you want in real formats but it's a really sweet card i'm pretty sure this is just straight up busted <laughs> it's not it's not <laughs> combat damage it's just damage Ooh, so you can fight with your Earl so of you Squirrel. Can fight. And then... There are all kinds of shenanigans you can do with earl of squirrel to make like a billion squirrel tokens so oh. it might actually be so strong that people are disgusted by it and it gets banned. <laughs> oh, you're right. Cause it, and it doesn't even say player. So you de- can deal damage to other creatures. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, there's all kinds of... Po- I didn't even read it that closely. That's insane. Um, Any other cards? I don't think there are any other interesting cards. Uh, Hammerfest yeah, Boomtacular. Whenever you cast a spell with the... Uh, Goblin Explosioneer's Watermark, it deals 2 damage to target creature or player, but it costs 5. Kindly uh, Cognition is kind of interesting. A 2-mana 1-3 that makes spells that refer to artifacts or contraptions in their rules text cost 1 less to cast. Which means, in theory, this lets you play Tempered Steel, for example, at a discount. Because it says artifact creatures get plus 2, plus 2. So I think it's just a unique formatting like the way that it's worded does some really cool things and lots of possibilities so i kind of like that one yep so now that we've talked about the cards what do you think what do you think of unstable as a set so far given the i don't know maybe 15 or so spoilers we've seen today all right so i think it's cool and i am trying to judge it based on looking through a lens where I know that I'm not the primary audience for this at, so I don't want to be too harsh on it, but I do, I was hoping for more kind of callbacks and references to old cards. I'm glad they stayed away from some of the more cringy subject matter of some of the old unsets. We haven't seen anything like that, which I think is good, but I was hoping for more like references to old cards and stuff, and we just... We haven't really had any of that. There's not one card where I'm like, oh, that's like the unset version of some card from the past. So I think, and maybe that stuff will still come as spoiler season goes along. And I still just keep getting stuck on the point of who is a set for? Like who, who played, like, let me say, if you're a casual player listening to this, will your play group let you play this? Like I was a casual player when I first started playing and 
we had free mulligans. We didn't know what formants meant. Didn't do any of the real magic stuff you're supposed to do. But we still knew enough that you couldn't play silver-bordered cards. Like, that was the one rule we would have is you couldn't play silver-bordered. So I'm curious where these cards fit because they have cool mechanics, but I just wonder who gets to play with them. Yeah, I'm pretty lukewarm on the set. Uh, so some cards I think are exceptional. Earl of Squirrel and Hangman stand out to me. But those cards are in the minority. Like, there's a lot of cards with watermarks and contraptions and whatnot. And to me, it just feels like a normal magic set. Uh, you know, a little wackier, but not too wacky. So I, I don't like those cards. I think the biggest issue I have, though, is how parasitic this is. Uh, for example, you need 15 contraptions to play, right? That's at least uh, eight booster packs because each booster pack comes with two contraptions. You can't just buy a pack of unglued and slam it into your casual deck, or sorry, unstable, and slam it into your casual deck. You, you might not have the synergies, right? You actually need to play with a significant number of these cards to get enough contraptions, to get enough watermark cards and whatnot. And I think that goes against the design of being for casual players, right? Casual players are the ones that show up at Walmart, buy two booster packs, and slam it into their deck. And it's kind of hard when you have contraptions. So I guess it depends on what the rest of the set looks like. Maybe today we just got a ton of these because they're showcasing new mechanics. But I'm really hoping most of the cards are like Hangman, Earl of Squirrel, uh, stuff like that. You know, just self-contained jokes that you can put in any deck you want and, and play with it. As opposed to having to build a cohesive contraption deck or something like that. It's kind of funny. I feel like outside of probably Hangman and Earl of Squirrel... All the other cards we've seen so far, including the contraption mechanic, I think it could be in Conspiracy. Like, I feel like the cards are... A lot of the old cards from Unsets were pretty off the wall, and you're like, okay, that's obviously a joke. We never play that in Constructed. But a lot of these feel like they could be in a real set that was tournament playable. Yep, maybe that's their appeal to the kind of the spikes and the more hardcore Magic players that... You... But they're not tournament playable. <laughs> no, but you can play Unglued and you can play uh, Ancient Tomb here with Watermark it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I almost wish they could have. I almost wish they made some of the set blackboarded, and you could have played against the odds contraptions in Modern or something. I think the mechanics that we've seen just they're not so far out there that I feel like they would break Modern or Legacy. So I think that maybe I don't know if that'd be possible, but I would love to see a half and half black and silver bordered unset at some point. Mm. Where the really crazy cards are silver bordered, but then like Steam Flogger of the Month and some of the contraptions and stuff were were technically black bordered, like a conspiracy They, they should have just made the whole set black bordered and banned cards. Kind of like, you know, the anti-cards. It's like, yeah, you know, the set is fine, just ban all the cards with anti <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't know, it might be weird showing up to FNM and you pull up your contraption side deck and people are like, what's going on? <laughs> I gotta ask you, Richard, are you gonna play this set? Are you gonna go to pre-release or are you gonna play Unstable? I don't know. In all likelihood, I would do the release event depending on when they hold it and do one and that's it. But even then, that's questionable. Uh, I'm almost positive this will not show up on magic online so that rules that out whether i want to drive two hours to to go play unstable i i don't know 
but it doesn't have the allure of you know a a standard legal set or iconic masters or anything like that it's definitely a notch below in terms of my priorities to going out and playing this yeah i think i'm in the same place i don't make it to normal pre-releases as consistently as i should and i think i'm less likely to make an effort to make it to unstable pre-release even though i do like seeing the cards like some of the ones are really sweet like you mentioned hangman and earl of squirrel i agree those are those are my two favorite ones so it is cool to see the new cards it just doesn't really make me excited as far as actually playing them <laughs> so you're gonna show up to draft first pick all the lands and then drop and go home <laughs> what, what does this mean uh, yeah that's that's uh not a bad plan. Like, I bet you could get your value back if you just rare drafted all the, all the lands. That could actually work. Uh, uh, so, have you looked at Unglued and Unhinged? Do any of the non-land cards hold any value? And what would you suspect those cards would be? Uh, so, there are four cards from the old unsets that are worth more than $5, discounting lands and tokens. And... They are all cards that are either referencing iconic cards, like Blacker Lotus or uh, Mox Lotus are two of the big ones, or they have some appeal for the real world. Like, Ashnod's Coupon is a card that has your mana artifact that you sacrifice to make target player get you a drink. So I could imagine someone, like, taking that to the bar with them and whipping it out on their friends, so I could see why people would buy it. But otherwise... There's not a lot of value in the non-land cards. It's really the lands and the tokens that have the value. So I expect that that's what we'll see with this set, where lands will be worth a couple bucks. The tokens are apparently pretty exciting, all foil tokens, and only half of them are attached to cards from Unstable. The rest are supposed to be from old cards that are not in Unstable, so there could be some value in the tokens as well. But I don't have high hopes that... Earl of Squirrel or Hangman or any of those other sweet cards are actually going to have any real value. Yeah, the Rock, Paper, Scissors cards uh, I see quite often as well. Have you ever seen anyone play these cards? Or in people's binders, like from the old sets? Like <laughs> You mean where, the lands? <laughs> well, the non-lands. Like, where where do these cards exist? Where do I, I bought a lot of collections over the course of my time buying and selling collections, and I almost never got collections with cards from the unsets. It was like, I don't know, like they existed in this whole other world that no one apparently bought them at the time because they were in no one's collections. I just don't understand... I don't understand that. I mean, I, I actually have some uncards. They were actually in my deck. Uh, I think I have the chicken in White Weedy. It's like, I think it's like a two to cast two two or something. And if you stand up and cluck, it, it gets flying. <laughs> so as a kid, my that? play group played with unstable or I think it's unglued uh cards but only the ones that were quote-unquote constructed playable right like they had to be good <laughs> they were like the spiky unset cards yeah 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 right it's well so i don't know i actually have some so would you actually stand up and cluck when you needed to get in those two points of damage yeah, apparently that's what we did <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, I don't know. I'm definitely looking forward to the next couple weeks of spoilers to see what else comes out. I feel this that might be a little bit contraption heavy. We've seen, and maybe it's just day one, but 45 contraptions they've said are in the set is a really high number, and there's a lot of cards that reference contraptions. So I feel, I hope there's room for some more 
Earl of Squirrels and Hangman and stuff, and not just all contraptions. Yeah, I really want more Hangman cards, because even Earl of Squirrel, if you replace Squirrel with any other creature type, no one cares anymore. <laughs> it's because Squirrels themselves have become a meme, but it could just be a pretty good lord for zombies or something. So I really want more Hangman cards where it's totally wacky and not magic-related at all. Uh, any final thoughts on... The unsets, Richard, before we move on to standard? The prices right now on eBay are 80 bucks, So they, they definitely are uh, slightly cheaper than, than standard. Uh, maybe we'll see them go down more uh, as they release. But they are slightly cheaper than standard, but at the same time, it's still pretty expensive. <laughs> so remember, if you're thinking about buying unstable, you get a land in every pack. The lands are going to be worth a buck fifty, two dollars or something, and then you're gonna get these foil tokens. So that's pretty much gonna be the value. So even if all the unstable cards aren't worth anything, there's a pretty solid floor, I think, to how much value you're gonna get from a box. So if you wanna play unstable, in theory, yeah, you gotta spend 80 bucks, but if you sell the 36 lands you get and whatever tokens end up being valuable, you're probably gonna get 50 bucks or something in that range. And then you spent 30 bucks to run a draft with your friends or something. So it's cheaper than it looks when you consider you're getting the lands every pack. Yeah, and it might be viable just to hang around your LGS and get free cards. Like, I'm positive there'll be players who will just buy a box, take all the lands, and throw away all the other cards. And I'm pretty sure you can just swoop in, get them, and play some unstable. Uh, because people always do that, right? They throw away their commons and uncommons and stuff. Uh, but basically, with this set, everything that's not <laughs> the land is like a common, right? So I have to say, I love, I just love the flavor of that. How unsets, <laughs> which like flip magic on their head anyway. Even the value and how you open them is reversed from a normal set. Normally, you throw away your lands and <laughs> keep your rares and mythics. Unsets, you're hoping to get lands and throwing away your rares and mythics. It's so fitting. <laughs> anyway, we had uh, three standard GPs this weekend, Richard. One in Atlanta, one in Shanghai, one in Warsaw. Did you happen to catch any of the standard coverage? I think they they broadcast the European GP in its entirety, and then when that one ended, jumped over to the American GP and ran from, like, round, I don't know, 10 or 11, whenever it picked up through the top eight. So did you get to catch any of it? I did not watch any of it. I only have deck lists to look at. <laughs> so what's your impression? I caught a little bit of it, but not a ton. But what's your impression of the meta or the tournaments from the deck list? From the, I guess we have some top 16 and top 32s. It looked like what everyone expected. So the winners were Expert, Esper Approach, Teamer Energy, Teamer Energy. If you look at the deck list, Energy shows up almost everywhere, like solid, solid representation, kind of like the Pro Tour. You have some Ramunap Red. And then you have some, you know, God Pharaoh's Gift, Esper Approach, those kind of decks. And then you have like the random spice thrown in. Ben Stark played a mid-range desert deck. Uh, we have a Thopter deck, Grixis Thopters, in Shanghai. But pretty much it looked like the Pro Tour meta. Nothing really changed. It's just primarily energy, a little bit of red, and then a sprinkling of decks that try to beat energy. 
Yeah, I think I just did a quick count. We got 64 lists altogether, uh, 132, one top 32 and two top 16s. And out of those lists, 31 are energy lists in one way or another. So that, that includes like a couple of pummeler decks, some Saltai energy, and a lot of teamer and four color energy. So almost half of the decks are energy based in one way or another. But there was some spice. We saw, you mentioned Grixis Tokens was a really sweet deck. Uh, Grixis Thopters, which goes infinite with Whirler Virtuoso and does some cool things. The Desert Red Dead uh, deck from Ben Stark is kind of a unique take, I guess, to some extent. Like, going a little bit bigger, although it's still very much Ramanampred. But you're right, it feels like the Pro Tour. ton of energy, a lot of Ramanampred, and then... A bunch of like one and two of decks, uh, God Pharaoh's Gift, Mardu Vehicles that are looking to compete with those decks. So I don't know. What's your feelings on standard based on this? Were you expecting a big change from the Pro Tour meta or is this pretty much what you expected? Pretty much what I expected. I I don't know. It just feels like Callblade. Were, were you around during Callblade? I wasn't. I was. So I only have secondhand accounts, but it seems like you can go through all this work to beat energy. Or you can just play energy and get really good at the mirror. And it, it just feels like there's no silver bullet to stopping energy, right? So you got to play some kind of meta deck and hope you dodge the bad matchups and then take down energy. Or you just play energy and be better than everyone else at energy. And it seems like a lot of the pros have just taken that approach. So what's the end result? Are you? We talked a little bit, and we probably shouldn't go deep into it today, but we talked a little bit about it last time. Does this weekend, which basically just reinforces the Pro Tour outcomes and numbers, does this make it more likely, less likely that Wizards changes something? Are we just waiting for rivals to see if something gets shaken up then? What's your, what are you thinking going forward over the next couple months leading up to rivals? I think we're just waiting. I think we're just waiting on FNM attendance, really. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't feel bad. You know, there's always a best deck in standard. Like, that's not something new. And, you know, having a dominant deck is not new. We, we've complained about many decks in the past. I think what really causes Wizards to do anything is how much the community complains about it and what FNM attendance looks like. And at this point... Not hearing too much because we're kind of getting swamped in spoilers. Maybe that's the that's the secret. Release a lot of products, have people talking. Uh, everyone just kind of ignores what's going on. Uh, but I haven't seen too much of an uproar yet, right? This is our first major result, so maybe the uproar will start afterwards. But so far, it's just kind of a wait and see. And really, are you excited to go play at FNM? And if that starts going down, I think Wizards will do something about it. I think that's a big question. Is just, are people okay with playing against energy all the time? I know I was tweeting about it a little yesterday, and someone tweeted me that they had played GP Warsaw, and they played Blue-White Approach in round one, and then played Teamer Energy for the next eight rounds on day one, <laughs> which sounds bad on paper, but if you're having fun and playing interactive games of Magic, maybe it's not like... A miserable experience so i think that's the question like do we get to the point where people just get sick of playing against energy so often and we're probably not there yet but that is a 
a thing that could happen. And like you said, maybe the busyness of this schedule. Iconic Masters this week, Unstable coming out in a couple weeks. Then we'll be starting Rivals spoilers. We don't even have a, a standard Pro Tour for Rivals. And then we have another Masters set in March. So the community's focus is going to be very split. So maybe it'll keep from developing into this narrative about standard and energy and so forth, at least until springtime, just because people are focused on other things. But at this point, I don't think standard is especially healthy, but I'm fine with waiting until after Rivals to see what happens and then moving forward from there. And just to say again, like how good Amonkhet and I think Ixalan too are makes me really hopeful for standard moving forward i feel like wizards figured it out and learned from a lot of their mistakes in kaladash block but we're still dealing with the remnants of those mistakes partly because of the change in rotation schedules so we're still having energy in the format for another 10 months or whatever but i feel like standard is going to be in a really good place once we get out of kaladash if wizards just keeps making sets that are like amonkhet and ixalan um Anything else on standard, Richard? Or should we move to uh, fish nope, mail? Let's move to fish mail. Uh, if you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So much value. Has green been too good in standard the past few years? Hashtag bring back Sphinx's Rev. <laughs> well, I'm down with bringing back Sphinx's Rev, but. <laughs> I don't know. Green was traditionally really bad in standard, so I feel like maybe it deserved its time to shine, but it has been maybe the best color in standard over the past maybe two to three years, I think. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem is green can do so much. Green can draw cards, green can fight to remove, and on top of that, green has big dumb creatures, and they're hard to remove as well. So I think the problem is they have too much of the color pie, uh, but right now, the the best cards in Standard aren't... I guess some of them are green. Like, Long Tusk Cub is green, but, like, Scarab God is not. Hazaret is not. So maybe now it's kind of balanced, but when you have stuff like... Uh, what's what's the tracker? Tireless Tracker. You know, that, that card was just ridiculous. It drew you cards. It was the biggest thing. It was, like, a must-remove threat, and it, 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 it just feels bad. Same with Collected Company, right? You know, you you basically have some kind of tutoring effect. You have card advantage. It's a spell on top of it. Like, green just has too much stuff going for it. So I, I think they just need to kind of tighten up their color pie. Like, make green the big dumb creatures, uh, not the card advantage, crazy, resilient creatures that can fight as well. Yeah, it was pretty weird to have green as the best card advantage color, which just, just seems very counterintuitive. So, ah, I don't know. I guess I will see. I think Wizards is working through a lot of color pie stuff. We see red getting the exile card draw or the discarding draw card draw, trying to like expand colors that were traditionally narrow. And maybe it just went a little too far with green's card advantage recently. But I think they'll figure it out and uh, things will get back to where they usually are. All right, next question is from Tom Bigwood. If I have recent standard cards, what's the best modern deck I can build with $100 in upgrades? Eldrazi, Spirits, Humans, Other? I would go towards Eldrazi. I think $100 upgrades is not ideal. You'll miss out on Chalice of the Void and maybe Karn, but I think you can play a like semi-budget Eldrazi deck that would be pretty good. Yeah, I also think Spirits. Spirits is a good option. I guess it depends 
of your recent standard cards, how much, how many of them are still expensive today? <laughs> because that's probably that probably means they're modern playable. So the 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 biggest concentration of those cards. Next question, uh, Marcus the GM. What would a new version of budget metallurgic summonings look like for standard? Ooh, um, watch budget magic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there might be metallurgic summonings involved. All right, tactics ogre TKOL. What did you did you like the first limited pod pro tour coverage? Also going over all eight player picks and the website tool with picks. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I actually didn't notice it was any different than any of the other ones because I I just like loosely pay attention to limited. So so yeah. <laughs> Uh, Johnny Esports, do you think the Pro Tour will ever go to Block Constructed? Won't get energy that way. I personally really enjoy Block Constructed, it's just too bad no one plays it. Well, wasn't the last Pro Tour Kaladesh Block Constructed? <laughs> <Ba-doom>. <laughs> uh, no, I hope not. I, that was always my least favorite Pro Tour of the year. I did not like Block Constructed Pro Tours. Yeah, I never really liked Block Constructed at all. Like, it was barely played on Moto as well, so... Just having these weird formats just to show off the new set uh, was a little strange. If, if they wanted Block Constructed, they need to push it to be kind of a top-tier format like Standard and Modern, which I don't think they're going to do. Uh, next question, Young Cooter, is Encampment Keeper the house dog? Encampment Keeper is way too mean-looking. I would not want that to be my house dog. I think we need like a cute little chihuahua or something. This thing has first strike. <laughs> this, this is this is too strong. <laughs> uh, unstable better have a puppy token. I'm just saying. Ooh, if there's ever a time yeah. to make a puppy token, <laughs> it's unstable. Uh, Orcish veteran, we have assembly worker creature types in standard. Any chance we, sh- we see Mishra's factory reprint? Too good. In Dominaria. No, too good? Too good for modern? I think it's... I think it's too good for standard. I think it would be okay in modern, although it would be pretty strong. But Mutavault was arguably too good for standard. And I think that Factory is often just better than Mutavault. Why why do you think it's too good for standard, but not good enough for modern? I would think it's the opposite, no? I think it would, I mean, I think it would be, I think it would be good in modern. But I don't think it would be too good in modern. Because we already have, like, Mutavault and... Creeping tar pit. So I think it would be playable and strong in modern, but I don't think it would be like bannable good. Mm. But I think that it would be like broken good in standard. Yeah, it's just really strong, especially on defense. Uh three three yeah, uh, like a free three three in standard uh, is, is gonna be tough to to go through. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Next question, Magic Warrior 3. Do you guys think it would be better if stores were able to choose between standard and modern all year round for their PPTQs, especially now that modern is a Pro Tour format? Hmm. I mean, I guess it's nice for stores to be able to kind of customize their events for their players, because I'm sure it varies from store to store which formats are most popular, but I don't know. I guess I'd have to learn more about the details of it to have a strong opinion about how it should be. Yeah, I kind of like just letting stores do what they want. Like, if your local community has no modern players, like, why would you be forced to, you know, make a modern event? So as long as it's, like, sanctioned proper magic, I think they should just be allowed to do whatever. Uh, Next question. Uh, Julio Han Lopez. Surprise no one made the joke. 
So I'll do it. Seth equals six Danish orphans in trench coat. Question. What? Yeah. <laughs> I need. Uh, I need. I need uh, a background on this. <laughs> so, so this came from actually Magic Mike's cast. We're talking about somehow I came up, and I think it was Aaron Campbell who said she doesn't believe I'm. I'm actually a real person. She thinks I'm six Danish orphans in a trench coat because she's never met me. <laughs> So, so I guess that's the joke going around. But no, I'm actually real <laughs> and not six Danish orphans in a trench coat. All right. Next question. Chris Minard, any concern? Watsy will avoid reprinting certain effects in standard because they won't play well with Arena. Yes, I do have some concern for that. But I think it's way too early to, to say that that will happen. But it's in the back of my mind that that could happen. I don't think that will happen. I mean, I think it's the same concern that they would have in general. Like, if they have a card, they're like, can we make this in cardboard? Can the printers handle it? Uh, can Arena handle it? But I doubt it'd be something so basic. Like, we can do it in paper, but not in digital. Because if they did, then Arena's a total failure already. Which I, I hope it's not, because they just made it. Uh, Joe Sice. Considering the skewed nature of modal listings, have you thought about having online-only and paper-only metagames? Mm, that, that's something we can try. Uh, so we've been, I've been taking a look at the metagame stuff recently. It's not where I want it to be. The, the way Wizards has restricted the decks has affected it negatively, I think. So I'm starting to figure out ways to make it more accurate or make it more useful. And splitting it may be one of those. Uh, next question, legit games, do you think we'll see Rebels soon? I think we'll see Rebels again at some point, but I don't know how soon it'll be. But I like Rebels, they're a really cool mechanic. Yeah. Uh, wait, what's the difference between Rebels and Allies? Rebels, I think, what I think of with Rebels is the pay so much tap, search your library for a Rebel of whatever converted mana costs, like that mechanic. Oh, and Allies is I... when something enters the battlefield, they all trigger... Yeah, allies is like slivers almost, yeah. but more enter the battlefield. All right. Uh, Interplanar MTG, any advice on starting a channel, uh, audio and screen recording and editing in particular? Uh, I mean, spend time editing your videos. I think that's one of the, it's one of the boringest parts of doing a channel, but I think it actually goes a long way towards making the content more enjoyable for the viewers. So I don't know if you want... Advi like more specific stuff on what programs I use and stuff, you can always send me a tweet or an email or something. I'd be happy to try to help you out. All right. Next question. Mint Black Lotus. To answer a previous fish mail, here are my picks for Dryad Arbor Cycle. So white, Endless Expanse, Plains Wall. Blue, Turtle Rock, Island Turtle. Black, <laughs> Primordial Swamp, Swamp Ooze. Red, Slumbering Titan, Mountain Giant, and Green, Dryad Arbor, Forest Dryad. Those are pretty good. It's actually pretty good. But the question is, do they have any abilities, or are they just vanilla? <laughs> Wait, does Forest Dryad doesn't have Forest Walk, does it? No, no abilities. Yeah, no abilities. Just a forest. Um, next question from R5X. Maybe this is asked already, but would you guys ever do a Patreon? Uh, we don't have a Patreon. Maybe we should set one up. But right now, we have Premium. Uh, if you sign up for Premium on the website, it supports us. Uh, you can also subscribe on Twitch. That also helps out. Or buy some merchandise on our merch store. So those are ways you can support us. Uh, but maybe we'll set up a Patreon. I don't, I don't know. A lot of people keep asking for it. Uh, but I don't know what we would do for our Patreon followers. Next question. Dig through time. Time as in the spice time. 
Uh, I'm solely interested in Unstable for Planes and Force. When should I buy my foil and non-foil copies? That's a good question. It's a, actually a really hard question to answer because I don't know how much of the set will be opened. I think that's the big question. If the set's a smashing success, then I think you wait over the winter sometime, you pick it up. If the set is kind of a failure, then I think prices will rise quicker. So I think you got to really play it by ear and try to feel out at your local game store, like, are people buying this? Are they cracking boxes? I don't think that the non-foil versions are going to get significantly cheaper than they are right now. Like, they're around $2, maybe go down to, like, one fifty ish The foils, I haven't even seen price yet, so it's hard to say. All right, next question. Jones BRP1. What the heck is Seth saying when he gets a new Twitch sub? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Welcome to the fishbowl. And then Big Scoops Cheer, which Scoops is the goldfish, for our new subscriber. <laughs> Along with some username butchering thrown in based on whoever subscribed. Turns out <laughs> nobody has understood anything you said. <laughs> nope. <laughs> People are just watching. They're like, we don't know what this guy is saying, but it's okay. <laughs> They think I'm speaking, like, a non-English language. <laughs> Next question. QED1729. It's been almost a year since the podcast has been on YouTube. When are you going to stop saying, and now on YouTube? <laughs> uh, probably this episode, since I forgot to say it, and Chaz wasn't yeah, here. Once Chaz gets an expression, it's over. <laughs> he, he's going to keep that expression forever. Where do you think probably better known as Saffron Olive came from? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm stuck with next it. question, Desi Nohei, if you were to sell your entire MTG collection, what's the one modern deck you would save and leave behind? Uh, probably, like, Blue White Amiria, Jeskai Control, something like that. Also Free Win Red, one of those two. If you don't know my answer, I'm disappointed in you all. <laughs> it's gonna be Jund. <laughs> uh, OG Magikarp is God. Your comment about Prolingo chain plus lsv a lot of games have this especially in dota 2 i don't think it's a big of a barrier oh so we're not too inside jokey and slang yeah the, the one week chaz isn't here <laughs> he's the only one that watches <laughs> dota 2 so I, I actually have no idea uh but apparently other other games do this too uh also from og magikarp uh for unstable when making this set with commander in mind make prices of some silver bordered cards go up because they'll be used in playgroups I don't. I wish I had numbers on how many playgroups are okay with silver bordered cards. I just have no idea. I I don't know. Is that common? Like, do you think most? What do you think, Richard? Give me a percentage of casual commander playgroups that would. Can you play conscrap, uh, contraption dot deck? How many playgroups let you do that? I think most playgroups would allow that. Uh, I, I think it depends on how weird the cards get. Like, if the cards become very weird and not magic-y, people will just kind of ban them for the sake of the game. Uh, but in the spoilers we've seen today, I think all of them should be legal in Commander. I wouldn't have any problems if someone played any one of those cards. So then, I mean, I guess yes. Like, if uh, any way that the cards have more demand would make their prices go up to some extent, but... I think the lands are going to eat up most of the value, so I'm not sure that it really matters. I think even if they made good commander cards, uh, and some of them probably are good commander cards, but even if they focused on making good commander cards, I still think that the lands would eat up most of the EV. Yeah, like that, that squirrel card 
auto include <laughs> in Commander. And if your playgroup doesn't allow that, then you find a new playgroup. <laughs> uh, control for days. Has there ever been a standard deck that could compete in modern without non-standard cards in it? I think I've seen some people put up like. 5-0 finishes with the Etherworks Marvel deck. I think it was literally the standard deck and someone 5-0 to league with it, but I've never seen one consistently do it. But some of them are close, like the Marvel deck. Yeah, I think some decks will have a really good matchup. So like if you play against, I don't know, Burn or something, you might trounce them. But there will be other decks you just cannot beat. Like I can't imagine you consistently beating Affinity or something with any standard deck. It's going to be pretty hard. Or like Lantern Control. I guess I guess maybe now you can if you're just packing four braids naturally maybe you can get there. I I think there are some decks that given the right matchup they're actually favored against the modern decks. I think that's true. I couldn't imagine beating Death Shadow with standard removal. Like you just don't have like your Hardness Lightnings and stuff, and then you. Lose and <laughs> All right, I have twelve energy Hardness Lightning. Your Death Shadow. <laughs> uh, but uh, Long Tusk Cub. What, what if you, like, after sideboard, you duress into Long Tusk Cub, and then you just harness energy and a braid? You just basically play Jund. I think you can do it. It, it could work. Uh, Tidal Wave 87, what do you think of an Against the Odds deck starring Living Lore? I feel this card can do spicy stuff. It can definitely do spicy stuff. I'll try to add Living Lore to a future Against the Odds poll. It's a little slow since it's got to actually attack to do its thing, but it seems like it could do something Have fun. we never played a Living Lore deck? I don't think we ever it have. It feels like a deck that we should have played at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Interesting. so, somehow. Yeah. From Kyoji Takenochi, what if the From the Vault Origins Planeswalkers had the SDCC art with color and a legible text box? That would be cool. I don't like that. I would like that. I mean, first of all, no. we know they won't, right? They gave us the cards already. But second of all, I don't like reusing promo art. I think it devalues the original promos. I think reprinting cards is fine, but uh, you should not use like the special art you use for something else. You should either make new art or just use kind of the first printing art or something like that. Well, maybe they should have just made new art that was like SDCC yeah. promos. I would. I think that would yeah. be good. Uh, Samson five three three. What do you think if the Pro Tour was run like WhatsApp? I don't know what it stands uh, for. World Series of Poker. <laughs> yeah, it's the poker thing. <laughs> Open entry, uh, higher entry costs, higher payout, more money for better coverage. Same with GPs, except GPs winnings can be either cash or bonus up towards the Pro Tour. I think that it would go badly. I think people already have a hard time playing a hundred dollars to play a GP. Could you imagine if? It was, I don't know, $1,000 buy-in to play a GP. How many people would do it? It would just be all the highest level pros that actually felt like they had a chance to win. Like, who who was actually going to pay that amount of money? Yeah, and we already have open entry in terms of Grand Prix and stuff, right? And they already cap out, you know, at some natural number. I do think it would be awesome to see a high-stakes tournament. Like, I think Isn't that would that be cool. Could you imagine... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess. But even more high stakes, like million dollar first prize. People got to pay fifty grand to enter or something. I don't know. And it's like wor- similar to worlds <sighs> as far as the number of players. I don't want to see that. I think the game is 
when people acknowledge that even if you're the best player, your chance of winning is like 55, 45. <laughs> like, I, I don't know that you want to go wager, you know, 50 grand for a million or something. It seems. I mean, it's not any different than poker, though, right? Where people pay really high buy-ins for those type of tournaments. But, but isn't and their win percentage odds. much higher or more constant? I have no idea how poker actually I guess works. I'd have... I guess I'd have to look. I guess I always assumed it was roughly similar, but I don't know for yeah, sure. Well, maybe we should look into it. But I, I just assumed that it was more consistent in in poker. But maybe you're right. Maybe it actually is literally the same. Last question. At 11 Vicious, what Planeswalkers do you expect slash want to see on Dominaria, if any at all? I don't know what's associated with Dominaria. What characters? Urza. <laughs> all the OG... <laughs> Uh, Yagmoth, Phyrexians. Those would be good planeswalkers. Elish Norn gets her spark. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. I I, I want to see I want to see Urza in some form or shape. If they somehow make it back to this planes without Urza, uh, you know, it could just be Urza's boots or something. I don't know, right? <laughs> but it'd be cool if they could actually work him into a planeswalker card somehow. Uh, but in all likelihood, I think we're gonna see Jace. <laughs> You're going to just see, like, Jace, yeah. Chandra, and they're like, oh, what's this? It's Urza's staff, whatever, throw it away, and then go go fight some Jazzy or something. I bet they'll have one of the, at least one of the old classic characters. I think we will see Jace's and Chandra's and the typical stuff, but they got to bring back at least one of them. How would they work that into the story, though? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, on that note, we end Fishmail. <laughs> Uh, so if you have any questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MDGFishmail, and we'll try to get to your questions. Oh, so Richard, anything else on the way out the door this week, or have we reached the end of episode 148? We have reached the end. Uh, more spoilers this week. The official MTG Goldfish spoilers coming out tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, yes. Yeah, just more unstable. I, I guess we have to see what what the feelings on teamer energy are going forward a lot of people have questions and no one has any answers so we just gotta wait and see also iconic masters friday in paper and on magic online so if you have been waiting for iconic masters finally get to play with it do some drafts on magic online this weekend should be an interesting set usually at least the master sets have good limited so i'm hopeful that uh i can take a break from playing Ixalan limited which oh I'm not a fan of Ixalan Limited, and do some sweet Modern Masters or Iconic Masters draft. So keep an eye out for that, too. Commander 2017 also releases on Moto this week. Oh, we finally get to play Commander Clash Commander 2017 edition three months after the set release. Finally, but. so get ready for all that fresh Commander 2017 content. <laughs> but it was it's actually pretty good. They're just missing four cards, which was surprising. Surprising that they had such good coverage. Oh, man. Well, we're kind of running late, but we didn't even talk about the big Moto announcements with selling play points and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But maybe no, next no, week. let's throw that in. I wanna, we should talk about this. So, all right. On the way out the door, what do you think? This week they announced some big changes to Moto. Uh, the biggest ones, selling play points in the Magic Online store. At the lower values, you don't really get much of a discount, but if you spend like $100, I think you get... worth of play points or something. So that was one big change. Also, full sets in treasure chests are coming, I think, on Wednesday when they do the treasure chest update. So, Richard, thoughts on the Moto changes? 
we've been conned, Seth. <laughs> are, are these just not event tickets that are not tradable now? Like, we, we've, we've yeah, come full like circle. We came full yeah, circle. Like, now that you could just straight up buy play points uh, with cash, they're actually discounted, right? If you buy a lot, you get, was it 20% off? Uh, but you get a discount if you buy a lot. Uh, and now the, so you can buy play points you play in events and they pay back out in play points uh but you do not uh you cannot trade them anymore you can't offload them so we just got event tickets that are more restrictive <laughs> so i Basically. I, I don't know about this I, I don't even know what they're doing anymore uh <laughs> why the are there are all these changes and why they constantly keep happening like what metric are they looking at to make these changes i i really feel that we're seeing Moto become a testing grounds for Magic Arena in some sense. Like I feel like they're they're testing out these different microtransactions and stuff like that that they probably want to be the foundation of Arena. And Moto is a place where they can kind of test this self uh, this stuff out in a real money environment while they're still working on Arena. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But even then, it doesn't make any sense in the context of Arena because. The way you earn money and stuff in Arena is different, right? You're going to have quests, you're going to have daily rewards and things like that. It's just... I don't even know what they're doing anymore. They're just they're just causing everyone to be afraid of Moto. <laughs> like, everyone's already, like, yeah. you know, already wound up over Arena. You know, the, the future of Moto is in question. And then they just keep throwing these random changes there, giving you less faith in the platform, right? Like, when you have large bot chains changing their ticket buy prices by like 10% because of uncertainty. It does not make you feel good. So I think everyone is just uneasy and nervous about Moto at this point. Yeah, uh, the constant changes definitely don't help when people are already dealing with uncertainty thanks to Arena. So I don't know. I do really like the addition of sets into Treasure Chests. I think that's a way that they can hopefully keep the EV more stable, which has been one of the problems with Treasure Chests. Like, they do the update, it gets back to the point where they want it to be, about 2.5 ticks, and then it just drops down to, like, 2 ticks, which is not very good payout for prizes. So then they update it, add in some more expensive cards, get it back up to 2.5 ticks, it does that again. But maybe having the full sets in there will spread it out and keep it a little bit more stable. Hopefully. Hopefully. It'll make for some pretty sweet treasure chest opens <laughs> if you open a good set and i mean the play point thing is good for players like definitely if you're someone who plays a lot of moto events buying a hundred no what would it be 1200 play points for a hundred dollars that's a pretty good deal if you're gonna if you know you're gonna spend that amount of money on events anyway so definitely keep that in mind if you're putting money into the program. I think the promotion runs through January or sometime in January. So if you are going to buy event ticks specifically to play events with, it's probably worth it to buy the big play point package. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our podcast for this week. So Richard, it's always been fun. Chaz, feel better. Hopefully you will be back next week. So Anyway, and uh, until next week, everyone, this is the MTG Goldfish Podcast crew signing out. Have a wonderful week.